victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Welcome back to the Oz Football Hour here on FNR Football Nation Radio. I'm Josh Parrish. I've got Jason Goldsmith here with me and joining us live from Bangkok, K-League United's Ryan Walters. Ryan, welcome back to FNR. Thanks for having me. Always fun, always fun. Asian Champions League time. I think it's our favourite time of the year. We get to expand our horizons, get out of our little bubbles, especially our little Australian football bubble. It's nice nice to get some fresh air outside of that sometimes. Uh, Ryan, you're there covering the competition. Tell us, what's the atmosphere like being so far in in Thailand? Um, It's been pretty good. The the game on Friday night, BG's opener, that I think there were 6,000 fans in. There is limited capacity right now, but fans are allowed in, so... That's been a massive difference. I mean, covering this tournament for a couple of years now in, in empty stadiums hasn't mm. been the best. Um, Junju last year for the for the quarterfinals and the semifinals, there were some fans allowed in, but uh, we all know what happened with Jumbuk and Ulsan there. So there was one good game, and then the Jumbuk fans weren't coming back to watch Ulsan Pohong. So uh, it's been pretty good. Uh, last night there was a mighty 263, I think at the the late game watching city the cities i should say mm-hmm. melbourne and united go at each other uh but it's it's been good um obviously the rain came down last night the rain is going to be a factor the heat was a factor on friday so uh, all those things considered i still think it's it's been pretty good it was great atmosphere the patham united melbourne city game too with the six thousand crowd that you mentioned too ryan so mm-hmm. um that obviously adding a lot more uh a mo- lot more to it for you and what other games have you yeah. been to? Uh, I've only I'm I'm here following my beloved Jenum Dragons while working the tournament, so I'm only going to the games here in Bangkok. I was tempted to go out to Budiram because they've got two groups out there, um, but eh, I just decided to stay here. So I've been going to all the games in Patham Thani, um, and they, they've all been good. Like you say, the atmosphere there, the BG fans are really bringing the noise when they are there. Even last night, I think it was. Two or 3,000 there last night, and they were still good and loud for the BG game, which didn't please me as a Jenum Dragons fan, but uh, it, it's been nice having at least one home team, you know, because if we're going to do these hubs and then it makes sense to do them right now, it is nice having at least one team that's really going to get some folks behind them as opposed to 2020 when it was in Qatar. Again, understandable reasons, but it just wasn't anywhere near as fun. Jonham uh, is in an s- interesting situation uh, this year. Fans in Australia probably don't pay too much attention to Korean football. Can you tell us why are Jonham Dragons playing in the Asian Champions League right now? Yeah, well, because we're the best team in Asia. Yeah, but of course. Other, yeah. Th- other than that, um, for those that don't know, the mighty Jonham Dragons, it's like a tribe called Quest. You have to use the full name there. Ah, the yes. mighty Jonham Dragons uh are here a k-league two team a second division team are here in bangkok playing in acl because they won the fa cup last year um and that's actually something that manager jung kung jun brought up last night uh in the post-match press conference when asked like do you feel like you belong here and he said look we we beat four k-league one teams to win the fa cup last year and one of them at the time were the defending acl champions also hyundai when they went out in the semifinals of the fa cup last year to the mighty Jeonnam dragons they were defending ACL champs. So, I mean, this is a team that uh, they were giant killers in the FA Cup. 
K-League 2 has been a little bit more of a struggle this year, but I think uh, that's been largely because the season started so, so early and uh, they've, got, they've had a split focus. But that first game against United City, they went well last night. Oh, I'm sure we'll talk about it. <laughs> Let's get into that. Uh, what has been your impression of that group involving Melbourne City, BG Patham United and, and United City so far? Uh, Melbourne City have started with a win and a draw. I think most Australian fans would be happy with that considering the poor record of Australian teams in the competition uh, in recent seasons. Uh, what, what, what have you made of that group? I love this group. Uh, I, I think... You know, you and I talked about it a little bit when you were on the K-League United podcast and, and we were previewing these matches. I think this is the closest group. I think this is one of the more interesting groups because it doesn't have a Chinese youth team in it getting whooped 8-0. So, I mean, to me, this is what this competition should be about, where you've got so-called small teams like United City who are really holding their own. I thought they looked really good Friday night. Um, I expected them to set up a little bit more defensively against Jenham and compact, but they went out and they attacked the game, and I think that surprised Jenham on Friday. I thought they had a really strong first half last night against Melbourne. I, they weren't able to to carry it through, but I think this is a really not evenly matched group. I do think that the favorites have to be Melbourne City and BG, but I do think on the whole in the East, I think this is the most balanced group, and so I've I've really been enjoying the football so far, and again, I've been pleasantly surprised with how well United City have played considering the lack of competitive matches they've had in the past year. Yeah, I noticed uh, that Melbourne City played a lot of the younger players and gave a few of their experienced players a rest in that in that win. Now, mm-hmm. it's a, a quirk of the, little quirk in the fixture. So they're playing six games in 17 days, but the, the next two games for Melbourne City are both against John and Dragons. Mm-hmm. So um, what do you expect to see that in, in terms of tactics and, and team lists and that kind of thing? Because it's interesting, and I think it happens in... in some of the other groups as well, that they're doubling up and playing um, the same opposition. Do you know a reason for that? Or is that just the quirk of the the fixture? I think it's just one of those weird things where it's like, well, when you have a 14 group, you just snake the the draw. That's what we did when it was home and away. So we'll do it now when we're playing all these games in two weeks. So I think it was just a, like, let's just keep the format the same. Um, It it works for me personally, because I'm hoping to get into the stands as a fan for the United City Genome game at the end of the tournament when, Let's face it, that'll be for last place. But um, I think going into these games, I think it actually suits Jenham quite well. I think last night playing against BG, I think they looked a little bit more comfortable conceding possession. I, I think that's one of the reasons they struggled so much Friday night against United City. Oh, boat passing by in case you can't hear that one. <laughs> anyway, um, I think when they had to attack, they weren't sure what to do with it. And you could see that in the first 30 minutes, they were, they kind of were looking around like, what, what, what are we supposed to do with this much of the ball? Uh, and I, so I think that worked out a little bit better for them against uh, BG last night. And I expect them to set up the same against Melbourne. I, they'll probably call it a three, four, three. It'll play more like a, a five, two, three or a five, three, two, the way that they're going to set up defensively. There'll almost always be five at the back in the first half. I think the the strategy in all of these games and, and i think it's come out in the first two especially it looks like it's just get to halftime no nil and and they've done that in two of the games you know it was job done in two of the games and so i, I don't expect them to break away from that at all and it, it's really going to come down to that depth and i just i don't think Jenham can match the depth because like you say melbourne trotted out to not not a reserve 11 or a second 11 last night but there was a lot of rotation and they still look really good uh, and and I worry that uh, Jonham can't quite keep up with that depth, especially with our leading scorer last year, uh, Jonathan Balotelli, 
he's out injured right now. So that's that's really affecting things. Is there much talk about um, Melbourne City's ownership being the City Football Group? Because it has been an ambition of them since they were purchased that they will make the Asian Champions League and this is their first time. Has there been much talk around them being sort of uh, one of the clubs of the football group? There actually hasn't been. I think this is one of the things that, you know, obviously been spending time with quite a few folks that are knowledgeable of Asian football or around this tournament. And I think it's one of those things where we've all been kind of expecting Melbourne City to make their debut in this tournament for a while. And now that they're here, it's not so surprising. I mean, they, they are a well-run club. They, they've got a really good manager. Um, and, and I think they've, they've largely been judged based on the merits and what they're doing on the field. I actually haven't heard anybody bring up City Football Group yet. Okay. Well, when we were doing that preview pod... I will, I will now. <laughs> I will now. Money. It's all about the money. That's no, just well, kidding. Um, yeah. I, when we were doing the preview pod, Ryan, I, I pinpointed Florian Berengay as their most important player. And of course, he promptly went and did his hamstring in the derby before they left. Uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm not sure about that midfield. I have to say against mm-hmm. teams that are going to sit deep against them. You know, I, I'm not sure how you felt about their performance against BG Patham. Um, you know, Andrew Naboot obviously scored a fantastic goal. But I've been sure arguing for, for a long time that, you know, his, his salary means that their front line is a little bit I, I, imbalanced. And the fact that they're having to shoehorn Marco Tullio playing in an attacking midfield role rather than his natural position on the wing, you know, leaves them a little bit shorthanded if their creative fulcrum does, goes, does go down. Do you think they are tournament contenders genuinely or is it just that they're looking good in what's a fairly weak group in the hole i mean look they should have lost friday mm. it, it, i forgot who it was for bg but if he could have hit the entire open net <laughs> exactly. that was there for him then that's a 2-1 result and, and bg's got six points right now which is honestly where they should be and, and bg's the one that have, have impressed me the most I, I like the way that they play they look extremely well organized and it is one of those things where for Melbourne, it's kind of tough to tell where they are with things. I think, again, I, I don't think they played poorly on Friday, but I do think BG deserved to win that game. And there's no question it deserved to win last night. That was Melbourne City. So I think these Jenna matches will be a good way to gauge where they are with things right now, because it'll be the same opponent and consistent matches. And then you know, that last match is going to be a really fun one. I do think that that's going to be for first place in the group, which could be huge because as we know, not all of the second place teams get through. So I, I, they've, the schedule really worked out for them in this regard where they had that really tough first game. And I think a draw was a great result for them in that regard. And then you go out and hopefully you get four wins in a row and then you come back and you face BG again. Um, I, I do think the Dragons are going to make it tough for them to score, though. I, I think it's going to be an extremely defensive performance from Jenna on Thursday night. So we'll see how they can break that down. I, I think that'll be really telling. Extremely defensive teams against Melbourne City tend to ma- make you shudder, to be honest. They, they thrive in open space, and when it's uh, <laughs> less than available, it, they can be hard to watch. But uh, speaking of games that uh, were a little hard to watch, uh, <laughs> John Book nil, Sydney FC nil. Uh, oh. I mean, great result for Sydney FC, I have to say, on paper, sure. getting a draw against one of the strongest teams in Korea, the dominant force in, in Korea football, is, is actually a, a very creditable result given the inconsistent middling form in the, in the A-League this season. Yeah. Uh, that was a game. Yeah, it, it happened. happened. Yep. It, it was it's, 90 uh, minutes, um, the balls kicked around, and uh, at the end, everyone went home. <laughs> the, yes, and luckily some of us got to go to bed once the coverage was done. Um, <laughs> that was not a pretty game by any stretch of the imagination, but like you say, uh, I don't think Sydney cares, and why would they? Because 
that's a great way to start this group uh, to get a point against Jumbook. I, I've got to say, a, a Jumbook that was rounding into form in K-League as well, they're not in the lead as we're used to them being all year. Jumbook started really slow, uh, but they won three in a row in the league. They looked like they were rounding into form. And so to to keep a clean sheet against a team that was finding form, it, it was a really good result from Sydney. And again, much like we were just talking about with Melbourne City, I think that the schedules worked out really well for them as well, where they got that Jumbook game out of the way early. They got a point out of it. And now you go into the rest of the group and you see what you can get. So I think Sydney's set up well, and I know that it hasn't been the domestic season that they would want, but boy, what a nice feather in the cap it would be to get out of this group for them. And the next opponent uh, in a couple of hours, actually, uh, Hongan Zhulai. Can you tell us a little bit about them? They took um, Yokohama 2-1. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll say that they got a goal in that one. That one went down as an own goal, but I, I, I don't think it was undeserved uh, on, on the base of play. Uh, Win Kong Fung is the Vietnamese number 10, as in where's the kit number 10. He plays in a couple of different positions. He's obviously somebody to watch for them. He actually played in Korea for a little bit with um, Incheon and then Gangwon, but never really found his footing there. But he was fantastic in Suzuki Cup. Uh, I, I think that he's definitely the one to watch for July in that one. But I, I think that this is one that Sydney should be expecting to win. Um, I, I just don't, I don't think, like we were talking about earlier, depth. And I, I think that Sydney's going to have a little bit more depth. But I, I don't see this being an easy game for them. I think maybe 1-0, 2-1, something like that. What, what kind of support do you think uh, you can expect for, for July in this match? What kind of home advantage are they going to have? I think that's going to be really big. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure on what the capacity rules are there, but watching the game uh, on the live stream Saturday, I don't even really remember mm. which day it is. It's tournament coverage time, so it's a match day. <laughs> Whenever the match happens, games are on. Games are on. <laughs> Tomorrow's a non-match day. Mm. What a day. Um, but uh, I think it's going to be huge. And I, I really do think that uh, of all of these teams, they – well, no, JDT's got a really great home advantage as well. But I think those two are the ones that are really, really taking advantage of playing in their home stadium. So I think it's going to be loud. It was loud on Saturday. And uh, I think it'll be loud in this one again. I think all Asian tournaments should be held in Southeast Asia. It's always the best. I'm for like it. The, mm. when, they, when they had the Asian Cup um, in, was it Vietnam, Vietnam and Thailand or Malaysia? I can't remember. A few years ago, it was awesome, I remember. Like they, they, it's always a, a good atmosphere and a good show that, mm-hmm. that Southeast Asia tends to put on for these things. So I think it's going to be an interesting match tonight for, for Sydney. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, after the great result they got playing on the back foot against John Book, they actually struggle against this team. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you could see that. For sure. And I, I could definitely see uh, July are going to hit on the counter. Uh, and, and I think that they definitely got the pace to do that. So it could, it should be more entertaining than the jump book match anyway. Elsewhere in the tournament, a couple of surprising uh, eyebrow raising results. Lion City Sailors 3, Daegu nil. I know there was a red card in that game, but that's, that's huge. The massive result. Um, I'm I'm very torn on this one because I want K-League teams to win every single game in the group stage. Uh, but Lion City Sailors, I think they've shown a lot of ambition. And I really, really like what they've done in Singapore, where they were the first Singaporean team to win the league in several years. Uh, Nagata, obviously, is a Japanese team that plays in the Singapore League. So I like that they went out, they invested, and they said, like, we are going to be the team 
of the Singapore Premier League. And they went out there and they got a massive result. Yes, there was a red card. Dega were playing without Cecina right now. Their talisman, who mm. it, it, he can change the game. Yeah, himself. he just scores from anywhere. So, like, when you he lose just, him, it just kind of changes the whole equation, right? Yeah, he does what he wants. It's his world and we're all living in it. Uh, he's, he's a phenomenal player. And so there is that. Um, and, and Daegu hasn't been in good form in the league. But when you're talking about a K-League 1 team going against a, a team from Singapore, even a team as dominant as Lion City Sailors can be on their day, this is still a massive result. And, and last night, yeah, K-League went 0 for 3 last night. To, te- to ASEAN teams, but I, I think it's great for this tournament, and, and it's really, really good at a time where, let's just call it what it is, these these Chinese youth teams, it's a joke, mm-hmm. and they really they shouldn't be in this tournament, in my opinion. Uh, last year, sure, it's understandable, very extenuating circumstances, but this year, you know, what's the point of running them out there to get trounced 8-0 against Kawasaki Frontale? And that was Frontale being nice, in my opinion. They, they held it off at 8. That could have been 15 if they were in the mood. But then you go out there and you see JDT beat Ulsan. You see BG beating a team. Okay, K2, sure. But BG getting wins in this tournament is still really big. And Lion City Sailors, again, I love how they've built. I love the roster that they have. They've got Kim Do-hoon, which I think was a really great uh, sign of intent for them to go and get an ACL-winning manager to take this tournament seriously. And now they've got three points. I, I think it's really great to see. It, it just sucks that it was against K-League teams. Well, speaking of that, uh, JDT2, Ulsan 1 is an absolutely massive upset. Uh, obviously, mm. the you know the home advantage playing a, a big part. But sure. still, I mean, what did, you, what did you make of that that game and that performance? Yeah, uh, the Battle of the Tigers went, uh, went the way of the home side there. Uh, Ulsan. Man, they just love Ulsanic. This is just what they do. <laughs> they they look like world beaters. You think oh, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna touch them, and then they go out and they do something like this. I mean, this is a disastrous start for Ulsan. They should have won that first game, which would have been a massive result against Frontale to go out there and get three points against them in the opening game. But they just lost concentration at the end of the game. Uh, Cho Yonu, one of the best keepers in Korea just got it wrong and then basically gave a goal away. And I don't know how much that played into this one. Um, but also this Ulsan team, they should be able to score more than one goal in this game. So, so credit to JDT here and, and how well they're playing. And, and I think that, you know, I, I was talking about Daegu and how they're not doing well in the league and, and Jenham, this, that, and the other, but look, these teams all come from very strong leagues. Ulsan, they haven't lost this year. JDT is the first team to beat them this year. So th- that's massive. And I, I think all the credit needs to go to JDT, how they played that game and the players out on the pitch. And now hopefully, hopefully after last night, we can see Korean teams specifically and, and a lot of Asian football fans in general taking these teams seriously because I, I think it was a massive night and hopefully they can follow it up with a few more wins. Yeah, a bit of a wake-up call, I guess, for the traditional powers mm-hmm. to see these Southeast Asian teams doing so well and actually, you know, upstaging them in these big matches. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the Chinese youth sides making a bit of a mockery of the tournament. Um, do you see, you know, that, that they've obviously been trounced by by Japanese teams left, right, and centre. Uh, Kawasaki, you mentioned taking it easy at eight nil. Are they are they the tournament favourites for you, or is it too early to say? I mean. Going into the tournament, 
from the east, certainly yeah, you would have to let's, say Frontale. Let's, let's, let's limit it to the east side. We'll, we'll, we'll count out the west for now because it's impossible to be across all of that. You don't want to cover 40 teams right now? <laughs> let's do this. I'm here for it. Um, I think Frontale were one of the favorites in the east coming into it. I, and I think that they have to remain that way, especially the group that they're in. You, you've got to favor them in that group. I, I don't think they're going to struggle that much in that group, which, which could come back to haunt them in the knockout rounds. But there's so much time between the group stage and the knockout rounds that I, that I don't think that they're really going to struggle. Um, Chanathip was one of the many scorers last night. So I think that's really nice for him because he's struggled domestically. They're playing him on a position uh, from where he used to play with Sapporo. So I think it was good for him to get a goal, get that confidence going. And I, I, I just, I don't see them losing a game in this group. And then I don't know who's going to challenge them in the knockout rounds either, to be honest. I, I think they've got to be considered one of the favorites in the East. And I would have thrown Ulsan in that group, but they've really got to turn things around. One point through two matches is pretty disappointing. And, and as I said earlier, second place isn't necessarily going to be good enough. Um, but that's where, again, these CSL teams, you know, now Group J's got three teams, so results against fourth place teams don't count. So, mm. you know, what are we doing? And it's a situation where, look at the way that Buriram played in their playoff match against Daegu convince me that Buriram couldn't have done a better job against Kawasaki last night. Convince me that Port, who lost 3-0 to Ulsan, couldn't have done a better job last night. Mm. You know, Melbourne victory should be in this tournament. That was a great game that they played against Fissel Kobe, and they would they would up this tournament to where it should be instantly if they replace one of these CSL sides. So it's, it's something that I hope AFC looks at. Again, there's a really weird time we're living in, so... It, it's, it's understandable in a lot of ways, but I don't think we can have this for a third year next year. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a really good point. Like, there are so many teams who would have loved to be in this competition and sent their strongest side and really, really tried to make their mark. Um, and they've obviously, you know, had those great playoff matches and now we don't get to see them again. And it's, it's such a shame when you've got, you know, these uh, shells of, of clubs that are basically just fulfilling a fixture and nothing more. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's great for some of these young players to play against quality opposition, but it must be demoralizing to be on the end of all these scorelines. So. Anyway, yeah. uh, let's uh, let, let's look ahead to tonight's games. Fissel Kobe versus Kitchi, which um, Kitchi had a good win in uh, in their first round, which is, uh, yeah, I mean, big for a, a team from Hong Kong to, to be making an impact on the tournament, but they've always been an ambitious side. We mentioned Sydney FC playing July at the same time, 9pm, and then Yokohama F. Marinos versus John Book is the titanic battle. People are willing to stay up till midnight here on the Australian East Coast for that. Uh, but... Uh, uh, Ryan, can we get a prediction for Sydney FC July? And um, I'm going to make you stick your neck out and say who's going to win the Yokohama John Book match as well. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about Kitchy for a bit. Yeah, oh, if fine, you want to talk fine, about Kitchy, please be, be my guest. <laughs> no, the, no, the only thing I was going to say about Kitchy, and, and I will keep brief, is that, uh, you know, Kobe has been terrible domestically. They've been terrible. I think they're the only J1 team without a win so far. Uh, and, and Kitchy are taking this seriously. I don't see any reason that Kitchy shouldn't be trying to win this group. Hmm. I think they've got the talent. I think they take it seriously. And it's another one that I think would be really good for this tournament to get a non-Korean, non-Japanese team into the knockout rounds would be really great. Uh, and, and also I, Dayan I Damjanovic think... plays for them. And uh, you just want to see that guy. Like he's, he's box office. He's like uh, Asia Zibrahimovic. 
and yeah, and he's just extending his goal scoring streak at this point. The goal scoring record, I should say. I think he's at 40 right now, 40 in ACL, which is the most. So hopefully he can keep that going. I, I do think, genuinely, I think that'll be a decent game. And but that's another one, like we were talking about the groups. If Quarterdown United is in that group, that's another one that could have home fans in there and it'd be really great. But to your question, I think Sydney is going to get the win tonight. I, I think it'll be narrow. I think it'll be a one goal win. Uh, and I heard you guys talking before I came on. I'm hoping someone's talking to the to the commentator because Bahadur is on the ball a lot. But this Bahagier, yeah. this dude, I'm not a fan of him. It just one phone call to somebody in Australia. Anyway, um, I, I do think Sydney gets the win in that one, and then I I think it's going to continue to be a rough week midweek for uh, K League teams. I, I I don't see Jumbook getting a win i think yokohama is going to win that one i don't i don't want to say it'll be comfortable but um i think yokohama's they're just so so good right now um i think they're going to win that one against jump book very quickly on bahaja when when we tried to turn usain bolt into a, a footballer here in the in the a league they had that trent bahaja was actually faster than him for the first 10 meters so that's one claim to fame <laughs> that he had Bahagia. There it is. Um, and our Melbourne Victory Connection is the coach of Yokohama F. Marinos. So he's the Aussie boy, Kevin Musket. So uh, I think the next couple of games for Sydney FC is against Yokohama. How do you think they will go into the tournament? I know a lot of Victory fans will be actually cheering for them ahead of the Australian team. They're, they're <laughs> sure. one of their fiercest rivals in Sydney FC. Yeah, I mean, what Yokohama's doing is... Look, I love the the Aussie coaching connection they've got there. We've all seen what Ange has done moving on from there, and, and I love that they brought in an Aussie coach afterwards. I'd love to see K-League start to do this. And and I think that's one of the things that makes this tournament so fun is that you can have Australian fans tuning into this. You don't have to like Sydney. You certainly don't have to like Yokohama, but there is an interest in this game. Um, I, much like we were talking about Frontale, I, I don't really see Yokohama struggling that much in this group. I I, I I think they'll they'll get four points at least out of the matches against Sydney, I think. Um, if not, then well done, Sydney. Mm. But I, I think it's one where they're a little bit younger, and I think they'll be able to handle that many matches in that many days, especially when they're facing each other after a couple of match days right in the middle of this when legs are going to be starting to get kind of tired. So I do think that Yokohama's going to have the edge. I think Yokohama's got the edge in everybody in this group, though. Well, I'll run this one past you uh, before we let you go, Ryan. Uh, Kevin Musket has made a career, in in terms of his coaching at least, of building on what Ange Postacoglu has teed up for him. He took over at Melbourne Victory. They won the treble. They won everything. They were Melbourne Victory's greatest ever side in 2015. Just after, you know, he's coming in, he's building on what Ange has done, and he's gone slightly more direct, slightly, slightly more, uh, I guess... Uh, What's the word? He, he's, he's gone a little bit more textbook with, with his setup. He's not as experimental as Ange. He's gone a little bit more cookie cutter, but they've got the basis of playing out from the back and everything. So, you know, it just, he just makes it a little bit more simple. And, mm. you know, coming into Yokohama, of course, Ange won the J-League, as we all know, uh, but couldn't get it done in Asia. Kevin Musket taking over Yokohama Asian champions, I'm calling it now. Oh, all right. Well, That's I mean- my tip. That's my big tip. Yokohama's my Japanese team. They were the first J-League side I saw in person, so I'm all for it. I'll even bust out my kit. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Ryan Walters, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Give your stuff a quick plug. Where can people hear and uh, and read your stuff? 
Sure. All over the place. Uh, KLeague.com, the official KLeague Twitter at KLeague and also KLeague United. We're at KLeague United on all social medias and occasionally on FNR as well. So folks can hear us there. Ryan, thank you so much, mate. Cheers, guys.